A veteran charity is hosting a new track series to reduce veteran suicide. The format is track cross, like a time trial or time attack, but with just one car running at a time. Drivers compete individually and as teams. The event is at Summit Point Raceway on October 22nd. Registration is on motorsportreg.com. Search for Top Dog Track Cross. Welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. Thanks so much for joining us this week. You would say, oh, it was a slow week. Oh, don't you worry. We have plenty of news to discuss. Rumors. Some some juicy rumors that I got the other day. I like juicy. A lot of fascinating things to get to on the show this week as we record Thursday evening here in the U.S., October 13th. Justin Kinney, hello. Hi. I mean, I see you all the time now, but I know. Hello it's, again. We're growing tired yeah. of each other here. Yeah. Well, we're definitely tired. That's we for are sure. Tired, yeah, <laughs> of each other, not there. Yeah, but you and I were basically trading stories about. Oh yeah. Well, I'm this tired, and oh yeah, well I'm this tired. But here we are. We're recording this podcast for you, our dedicated tens of fans. Yes. So thanks so much for listening and. Some good stuff to get to this week. Look, this, this, I feel like we're actually in the thick of the offseason yes. for once. But this is where you can kind of go off on the, the interesting things that pop up. So first off, we knew this was rumored, right? But IndyCar has confirmed the, the test schedule, the open test schedule. So first off, the Thermal Club, that's been confirmed. IndyCar will go there February 2nd and 3rd with an open test ahead of the season. So this club in Palm Springs area in California, roughly $260 million private world-class facility. Uh, There's South Palm, which is the first track that was finished May 13, 2012. Um, Ties to Roger Penske. In fact, before they lay down any of the track, this is from IndyCar.com, they called Mr. Penske, asked him, what do you think of the track? And, And Roger said, send me the layout. That's from John Rogers, who's the managing director of the Thermal Club, son of the circuit owners, Tim and Twana Rogers. So uh, he helped with the design, laid down the track. So drivers are familiar with this facility. They're team owners who either have houses or have been to this facility. Very exclusive. Unfortunately, you're not going to be able to attend unless you know someone who lives there. Plain and simple. You have to know somebody to get in there, and it's very much a swanky country club-esque atmosphere for auto racing, but as Marshall Pruitt has said at Racer.com, potential for a IndyCar race there in the future, which has our eyebrows peaked both with the race or the track itself, and I imagine they would make more upgrades to it in terms of amenities and stuff before they even try to host a race and be just location wise. I know it's what people are considering a growing market, but it's not that big. No, there's really nothing around it. It is near the Salton sea thermal California, which is tiny. There is an airport literally right by it. So you have great access with the regional airport and it is, I I guess Kind of near Palm Springs. I don't know. I I wouldn't say it's that near Palm Springs, but it, it is in the vicinity. Yeah, it's it's in a swanky area of 
California. In is. the desert. Near Coachella. That's the more near sure, sure. place that it is nearby. So I don't know what to think about this. Fine for testing, but they have also said this is basically step one to eventually get a race there. And I guess we'll see how it goes. I don't know. I'm not very We thought this about was this. just a, a paid test, right? That the IndyCar is giving a track. But if they're going to find a way to have a race there, look, this seems like one of those season-ending races where they can entertain all the That's sponsors true. and clients. That's true. But I don't even know how you get grandstands in there. They'd have to make a lot of modifications to allow more than just the elite of the elites. Which I have to have to imagine are in the plans. And I know sports cars, I think, is planning on going there at some point. Um, So there is a push, I guess, to make this a place. But right now, it just seems like a glorified country club that has a racetrack that IndyCar is going to test at. And that's fine for testing. But I'm going to have to see a lot more before I buy into this as a legitimate race venue. And considering when we're going to California now, and other than Long Beach, it Long Beach draws, but we go to Laguna Seca, and it's okay crowd, but nothing amazing. Sonoma, ne- people never showed up. So you're telling me that people are all of a sudden going to come to this thermal place? I'm not buying it. Yeah, that that is a question. Uh, again, just because fans can't even check it out. It's an amazing looking facility. I'm not going to lie, but middle of nowhere, uh, we'll see what becomes of it. But again, just for a test day, that is one thing. Now, the thing we don't know is if this would be streamed on Peacock. There's no word on that as far as testing goes. My guess would be we might get one of the days streaming and maybe not the other. Which, look, I mean, you take that, right? I mean, I think Better a lot nothing. of fans would take, take that because early February, middle you're of winter here in the for, Midwest, yes. you're starving for IndyCar content, and it's someplace that's presumably warm, tropical, exotic-looking, at least compared to us Midwesterners. <laughs> we're digging so it's, out it's, of snow. It's, yes, very much so. Yeah, so and, it'll be entertaining. And we're desperate aspect. for anything. I know when St. Pete comes every year, I'm watching every practice session. I'm watching every Indy Lights practice session. Oh, is, is uh, USF 2000? And great. I'll watch that too. That's how desperate we are in February, March for anything auto racing related. And so, yeah, I'll tune into Thermal. We'll see if it's on one or two days. And then the rest of the testing schedule as far as the open tests for IndyCar in 2023, three of them. So we have the Thermal Club, which is essentially the spring training, if you will, even though it's in winter. Then you'll have the Indianapolis Motor Speedway test Thursday and Friday, April 20th and 21st. Usually, again, near late April, normal stuff there. Entire field is expected to participate in the test. So does that mean that there will be 33 cars there? I mean, usually by that point, the Indy 500 field is essentially locked in. Well, they said the entire Indy 500 field will be there. Yeah. Is that just, are they just using that as wording or yeah, is like it actually going to be? What does that mean? Yeah. I mean, do, maybe they feel right now they know who is going to be entered in the Indianapolis 500 at this point and everybody's committed to being that test. So know. here's what we know. So AJ Foyt Racing, they have two cars. We do not expect them to expand. Dalton Kellett. Uh, and Foyt not continuing next year. I don't know if Kellett could land somewhere else. I mean, maybe if a, a team needs money or maybe does the Indy 500 and some sports car races, I don't know. As far as being full-time, I would think it's Hunkos or Bust, but Hunkos has their eyes on some other people as well. 
Um, Penske's full. They're not running a fourth. Ray Hall could run a fourth. Meyer Shank could run a third. Uh, Hunkos, we know, will run two. Ed Carpenter can run a third. Coin only has one car confirmed. That second car, Sato or Lundquist. Or if they run a third, they could at least run one for Indy. Ganassi has three. Uh, we'll have an update a bit later on on the fourth for you. McLaren, we know, has three confirmed full-time and plans to run a fourth. Andretti, we would expect five again, right, with Marco as the fifth entry. We mentioned Foyt, and then it's one-off entries. Dry and Reinbold, do they run two again? I, I mean, I could see us just having 33 entries again. If I'm a betting person, and I am, I would bet on 33 entries. I don't know until we have the new engine formula if we'll have more than 33. Plus, with inflation, supply chain, blah, 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 blah. I mean, racing is expensive, right? So I racing think that's is another, expensive and another thing to factor. Racing is expensive for these OEMs, and they're not going to invest in these additional engine leases unless it makes sense. And the, the problem is, is once you go over 33, then you're paying a lot of money for potentially one of your engines to not make the show. And so you money's at a premium right now, and... You look at what Chevy and, and Honda are doing, and they're going to be very selective in who they're giving engine leases out to. And so I think, once again, we're going to run into stories where we have potential programs for Indy 500 that just can't get an engine lease. Then the third and final test makes sense. Thursday, September 7th at WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca, uh, just a few days before the season finale there. And you have to remember, they're doing a repave, so drivers will get to experience that because the repave expected to be completed by june of next year so that's an important test yes it is it'll be the first test not just for the cars to see how that goes but also the track to see how it races and and how it treats the the racing as opposed to what it did before it was paved and don't forget that road america undergoing a repave right now as well so something better to get keep that in done mind. before it starts snowing <laughs> yeah right i mean there's already snow i saw last week in Northern Michigan. Really? You know, I'm, I'm talking the UP. Like the UP, yeah, yeah. but still. Ugh. Yeah, it's crazy. So IndyCar, back to Thermal Club, they'll use a combination of the North Palm and South Palm circuits because there are multiple circuits there for a 17-turn, 2.9-mile layout. So the fact that it's plenty called, long. Yeah, the fact that it's called a club, I mean, just kind of, it's not even a, it's not even called a racetrack or raceway or motor complex, nothing, it's a club, Thermal Club. It's for the elite. It's for the elite. And look, it's it, there's money. There's a lot of money in that community and around that track and around that region. So look, if Roger Penske and IndyCar can tap into that money, whether it's sponsorships, whether it's team support, whether it's some side of some sort of B two B deals, uh, that's benefits IndyCar. But it's not very exciting for those that follow racing to be going to a place like this. All in all, it, look, I thought this is still just a place for a test. I think they're, I think the Thermal Club is more interested in hosting a race than IndyCar is at this point. One would presume because they kind of have to prove themselves from a safety aspect, from a facility standpoint, from a, a raceability standpoint, accessibility as far as yeah. if you're going to have fans, you got to find a way for parking for grandstand seating, for all the build out with the transporters and teams and their equipment, series equipment, everything. I mean, you, you got to make sure the facility has access to everything unless 
they really do make this just a very exclusive, like a F1 Miami type of it. Uh, just, it looks very, at least with the grounds and the track and amenities or lack thereof, it looks very NOLA-esque. Yeah. That, that not, is the fear. Yeah, I'm not comparing what happened in NOLA to Thermal Club. I know it's a very exclusive place, but in terms of amenities, in terms of infrastructure, in terms of the event, it looks right now very NOLA-esque in terms of what can happen there. But, yeah, maybe it's a, it's a swanky... I don't know. I just... I don't like the idea. I know you're looking for for new venues, but you want to have accessible venues. You want to have look. IndyCar can't be Formula One. It's not Formula One. It can't try to sell itself like Formula One and have these exclusive events because nobody's going to show up, or at least not enough people to make it worthwhile. So, I would imagine there are some big movers and shakers involved in the Thermal Club. They're going to invest heavily in some infrastructure and amenities to make this place actually viable to host a major auto racing series race. And if that happens, then maybe IndyCar goes there, but not in the current configuration of that track. Yeah. I mean, looking at it just on Google maps, cause that's all we can do. There is a BMW, uh, center there. Mm. Uh, so I find that interesting. Just like the one at, at one IMS. Yeah. But there's space for parking. I mean, there's plenty of land in the vicinity. If they own any of that land, I mean, it's just parking and essentially on desert land. Right. So that's not that difficult if it's clear. You're There's not serious. enough space for the paddock to put the haulers. It's just where are you going to put grandstands? Where right. are you going to have general admission areas if you're going to do all that? Obviously, that that's not important for the test beyond the fact that you want to scout out those places and make sure you have the ability to do so. You're not serious about hosting a race until you have a Ferris wheel. <laughs> that is, that legitimizes your efforts to get a race. I thought you were going to say safer barriers. Well, that too, but I'm talking <laughs> more important things like Ferris wheels and, and space for a fan zone. Yeah, absolutely. Which includes <laughs> the Ferris wheel. Yes, exactly. So we'll see how that plays out, but I get that people may not be as excited about this. And we talked all last week, right? That was last week about could it be, Utah Motorsports Campus is that track out west, but I would assume this is the track out west. It sounds like that is the possibility, which we felt we had put all the pieces together and added everything up and saw that it was obvious that Lotus was coming back as a third OEM based on Utah Motorsports Park. So I'm still sticking to my guns that that could be a potential future place for IndyCar to run simply because I put way too much time and efforts into identifying it and i'm just gonna stick with it until it crashes and burns also i must say it's a very picturesque area absolutely I mean, the, the is beautiful santa rosa mountains i believe mountain range in the background i mean it's just amazing beautiful not too far from salt lake i think we made a pretty good pitch maybe we should be hired by utah motorsports park we could be their promoters oh sorry i was talking about the thermal club but yes both oh. of them have have mountain ranges in the background yeah very picturesque so yeah, we, we're doing a great job promoting either one, but especially the one up in Utah. So that's the off-season and in-season test schedule for IndyCar. That was kind of the first bit of news that came down over the week. The next bit of news that came down over the week, oh man, here we go, Justin. <laughs> Just like international races, third engine manufacturers, uh, this, this I feel like is the other this white is, whale. This is an update? I guess. We have an update? 
MarshallBrewitRacer.com. IndyCar close to signing off on TV documentary series. <sighs> close. Haven't we been close before? Uh, it seems like, like IndyCar has been, been close before. before. We've yeah. been close to about third OEM. Close. Uh, and close look to at signing a deal. And reading this story, I could not be any less excited about the format. Am I wrong? Well, I mean, it's not like we know many details. Well, they want to be be at St. Pete to start filming, which tells me they want to do like a season long thing. Well, no, they want to be at the thermal club for spring training. Yeah. First, if if, if possible. Now, granted, this wouldn't come out in 2023, likely 2024, which makes sense. I mean, you have to have time to film. True. To edit, to piece it together. That I mean, that these are people's jobs. It takes a lot of time to put these things together. That's how Drive to Survive is set up as well. Yeah. And it makes sense. I, I completely understand it. You can't do it in season. That's asking a lot of a lot of people. And I don't think any car could afford to have the crew to make it happen like that. But, but, but the problem is, if you do a season-long show that mm-hmm. covers the season, it's Drive to Survive 2.0. Correct. Without the ultra-crazy technology, the ultra-crazy budgets... And quite frankly, the drama that Formula One has. I'm not interested in it. I, I, I mean, if you are trying to aim this to prospective new fans, which is what Drive to Survive basically is, then you have to have a hook to draw them in. And what's the hook? What's the hook for me, episode one, to tune in to watch off-season testing at Thermal Club or an IndyCar if I'm a less-than-casual fan? Well, I would say with the Thermal Club, it is an exclusive elite-looking location. And that's, I think, what Formula One has the ability to sell more than anyone, is that the exotic locales, it's worldwide, it's these exclusive... I mean, you know these guys are making tens and even up to $100 million you know, per year based on their, their salaries and endorsements and sponsor agreements and all that. But that's not IndyCar though. No. Eventually not. you're going to mid Ohio. Yeah. Eventually you're road going America. to road America. Eventually you're going to Iowa. You, yep. you know, you can sell that as your first episode, but they're where you to go. I'm sticking to the fact that the only draw in terms of getting new fans in is building a series every year around the month of May. And that's what, and the problem is, is when you're regulated to 33 entries, you lose the majority of the drama of May in terms of drivers and teams making the show and not making the show. So I, I hesitate. Like I've never been excited about this live streaming show anyway, because it was it, in a perfect world. It's not built for you and I, Caleb, it's built to draw other people in. Correct. You know, for us, it was kind of like, um, what was it? IndyCar 36 or yep. whatever, Yep. which was okay. But after a while, it just kind of got monotonous a little bit. I feel like it maybe wasn't, it wasn't aimed at people like us. It was aimed at other people. I still feel like this is the aim for this and and that's where it should be, but I don't know if the hook is good enough to draw people in. It feels like a proposal that it's like, okay, we're finally doing something just to say we did something. Yeah. Driver survive was not driven to be geared toward F1 fans at all. I mean, I already followed F1. I already knew the drivers, maybe not to the level that I learned from watching drive to survive. It's made me more interested in Formula One. It worked, but I think the diehard fans before Drive to Survive are still diehard fans during Drive to Survive. Or they're probably sick of hearing about Drive to Survive. That's probably more likely. All those Johnny-come-lately F1 fans now. The the fad will pass. Give it after next season. That's my stance on that. But 
IndyCar, they flew down to Texas the other day. Uh, Mark Miles saying they're hope, hoping to finalize a deal. He says this one seems quite, quite close. Hopefully we'll have a specific announcement to make before long. Um, further details. It is not a well-known Dutch reality TV producer, Reinout or Le Mans. I'm sure I butchered that They were that a part completely. of the... Was that the group that was with Kardashians that did yes, some of that? Yes, I believe so. Okay. I believe that's who he was connected with, the what producer for keeping up with the Kardashians a long time. So rumored to be involved in the project, not been contracted by the series. And this is the note where I got about spring training. Uh, Marshall Pruitt saying too early to say if spring training will be covered on Peacock streaming platform, which I think is something that if day one goes well, and then you stream day two, that's something I think fans kind of need to see. I think so. I think at that point, like we said, we're desperate for anything. You'd have it on at work in the background at the very least to get your fix of some, some Indy car racing because NASCAR would be getting close, right? It's mid, mid February, late February. So the five Daytona would be happening speed weeks, all that stuff that kind of wets the whistle a little bit. But if you're not totally into stock cars like us, you're wanting more and having spring training on and, and getting storylines and, it is refreshing because it's been several months since we caught up with these drivers and you got new drivers and, and all that. It's a good way I feel to get caught up in everything that happened in the off season and get to know some of the new guys before St. Pete. Oh, and remember IndyCar purposely timed this test, how they did because the NASCAR media and motorsports media will already be in Southern California because mm. the clash of the Coliseum is that weekend. And this test is on the Thursday and Friday before all that. Well, that's this was intentional. Smart. So smart move. We'll, we'll see if that plays out well, as long as the media get access, right? I mean, if, <laughs> if the public Sorry. can't yeah. get access, you would hope that the media gets some access. Yeah. Hopefully you don't have to make eight figures to get in. <laughs> yeah. Because we know that six figures probably wouldn't be enough. <laughs> Seven, maybe. Yeah. But eight, I think you're locked in with that venue. Yeah. So you're probably good with eight. That's the update on streaming. There've been other rumors that have popped up here and there. Thing about Elio, thing about Dan Weldon, but nothing that I've seen out there that is completely positive and, and signed off on. But this is the closest they've come. Just like they were close to getting Porsche, yeah. they were close to getting Ferrari. Uh, who was the other one they were close to getting? Is an OEM, a Toyota. Toyota, yeah. I, uh, I mean, I, I hope it has a different hook than Drive to Survive. I just hope that. Yeah, that's the key because look, if they're trying to do the same thing, people will know that and they won't be interested. No, because and it's... Un- unfortunately, IndyCar fans will watch this regardless because they want to check it out. But you want to make sure that this has a draw to non-IndyCar fans, non-motorsports fans, and people who aren't sports fans at all. That's how it gets successful. That's how Drive to Survive worked. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't know if IndyCar has that hook, has that ability. I love IndyCar. I do. But I just don't know if right now it has that drama that will bring in people like Drive to Survive did. Also, let's not kid ourselves. Drive to Survive coming out, what, in February or March, and then the pandemic struck and everyone's just at home watching Netflix. I mean, the timing... Timing could have been better. And look, like, you know what sells for F1 and Drive to Survive? 
Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull, Aston Martin, these high-class motor companies, auto companies, that's part of it. And IndyCar is rolling out Chevy and, and, uh, and Honda. Which are just saying, solid fine, brands, but, but it's we're not, not we're talking Ferrari about sexy, you know, it's not we're, Mercedes or Aston Martin, like you said. Yeah, you know, it's it's just so that so it has to be a different sell because they're not the same. And so hopefully the people in charge know this and they've worked out something that's different. You have to do something different. You can't just be like, well, we did a streaming service. Here it is or a streaming series. Here it is. And it has no basis in terms of bringing in new fans whatsoever. So what's the hook? We'll have to stay tuned. I'm, I'm glad it's happening finally. Is it? Is it too late? I don't know if it's necessarily too late, but it better be pretty damn good. The other main story to come out this week, uh, we had some testing. And then we'll get to the rumors because I think that's the best part. You got to save the best for last, right? Yeah. But some testing. A uh, handful of drivers participating at Sebring. Tom Blomquist, Meyer Shank Racing, he's one of their sports car drivers. Uh, in fact, the new IMSA DPI champion with Meyer Shank Racing, he took part in the test. Uh, Ray Hall, Lenneman, Lanigan Racing had Yuri Vips, or Yuri Vips. Yeah, Yuri. Yuri Vips, he participated. Jake Dennis, Formula E driver for Andretti. Uh, he was with Andretti Autosport. Marcus Armstrong, Dale Coyne Racing with HMD Motorsports. And Augustin Canapino with Hunko's Hollinger Racing, also a part of the test. I believe that Daniel Frost um, took part a day later, if I'm not mistaken. But all in all, look, we're not going to get into testing times. You can find that online anywhere. No, no, don't care. Everyone runs different programs. You can't read a whole lot into it. I think the main takeaway is some F2 guys have been kind of on the radar and Vips and Armstrong. Armstrong's what? He's he's a Kiwi, right? And he uh, has some significant funding? I believe so. Yeah. But I think the main takeaway, Blomquist would be interested, and it seems like someone we should keep in mind yeah, he's for awesome. 2024. He's yep. Marcus Armstrong from New Zealand has been an F at Formula 2, been part of the Ferrari Driver Academy for a couple years as well, has made 72 starts in Formula 2 with four wins eight podiums. There's only so long you can race in F2 before yeah. either an opportunity arises in Formula 1 or you look somewhere else, particularly uh with Marcus Armstrong, only 22, but and you got to be young for for Formula 1 unless you are an absolute stud and I don't think he wants to do I think Formula he did Formula 2 this year again. Uh he did. Yeah, he's so they have a couple of races left, but he's won three races this year. He's 12th in points. He won a race last year, got a podium his first year. Essentially, he's out of time there, and I think IndyCar could be a legitimate possibility for him in 2023. Well, not only that, he's he's not only out of time in terms of he can't go somewhere, but there's always somebody else that's coming up that Ferrari or whoever wants in that F2 spot as their next prospective talent to get to Formula One. So I'm sure not only he's feeling the pressure for his own career, but he's also feeling the pressure from underneath, from F3 and even for F4, is that the pipeline continues to, to go. If you stall, you need to get out of the way for the next crop of talent. So out of that list of drivers, who is most likely to participate in any car race in 2023? Out of that five that you mentioned? Yeah. Uh, the dude with Hunkos. Really? 
He's, I mean, I feel he's going to be in the mix at Hunko, isn't he? I don't feel? know. I, I've always been under the impression that's just kind of a goodwill deal that they have to get these demonstration runs. But I feel like Armstrong would be the favorite. Yeah. I, I think I could see Armstrong leaning somewhere, whether it's a partial season or a full season, whether it's Hunkos. Do you don't um, think he runs Indy Lights with Coin and HMD? I mean, you're running F2. You don't need to run Indy Lights. No, I agree, but HMD has... 47 open seats for their Indy well, Lights they, they filled six out of eight. Well, so they only have the, two left. Yeah, they better jump on them. They're running, they're running out of opportunities, I guess. True. I would say I would stick with Augustine Canapino just okay. because of the, for me, the hype that's around him in terms of what Juncos is trying to do in Argentina. And if look, if there's support for an Argentinian race in the future, an Argentinian fans, Argentinian sponsors – then I think Hukos wants to go with the Argentinian in its team. And if those things come to fruition, I think you still you see Canapino in a seat. Maybe not a full-time seat with Hukos, but at least some races in 2023. Some other silly season news. Ganassi development driver Kiffin Simpson will return with HMD Motorsports as part of their eight Indy Lights entries next year. So that's another name to keep in mind, maybe for 2024. Jenna Fryer with some interesting notes. So, Tim Sindrick confirms that Team Penske spoke with Menards about a fourth car at Indy and declined. So who declined? Menards declined or the see that? Yeah, it's text confusing. confused me. Tweet confused me. So who declined? Menards or Sindrick? So here's what she goes on to say. Menard has confirmed he's got money put aside and wants to do a program with Kyle Bush, but is adamant it must be Menards colors. That's not papaya, so there's the McLaren snag. So that's the first part. Cindric says Penske would only do a fourth car if the car had a legitimate chance to win, did not dilute the effort of the existing three cars. Well, you could argue their existing three cars don't have much of a chance to win right now. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> no, but, you, I, I based mean, on the last couple of years. Yeah, they've not been competitive at Indy for, since Pagina won in 2019. So why would, if you cannot be competitive with three cars, enter four cars? Yeah, it's... That's... That's a reason why Roger Penske is where he is and other people are not is making decisions like that. And it goes in the business world and also the motorsports world. If I can't have three competitive cars, then why should I have four uncompetitive cars? Then Fryer goes on to say Penske has already decided there will be no fourth Indy 500 car this year as the organization prepares for the World Endurance Championship, IMSA and Le Mans. You got to remember they have that um, Le Mans entry, right? with Porsche. Yeah. Is that correct? Yep. So that's a big undertaking. And I would presume a lot of the crew that would have been with that fourth Indy 500 entries now working on that program. And rightfully so. I think the priority of Roger Penske and Tim Sindrick is to get the Indy car, Indy 500 program right before they expand. Yeah. And, and you can't blame them. I, I mean, no, look, it, it, unless they get a driver who they believe be the future of the team like if a Colton Herta became available which she apparently just signed an extension so I don't think he'll become available I mean or Pato Award right I mean these are those are essentially the only guys you would get just because they're young they're fast you know they can contend for championships because they've done so they've won multiple races they just haven't won a championship themselves yet and those are kind of the two guys you would think that have to be on Penske's radar and for most teams, if you have a prospective sponsor that wants to field a car, you try to make it work so you can make the money because you need the money. Roger Penske and Penske Racing don't need the money. 
So they're focused on performance and not car count. Yeah, and and rightfully so, because they can take everything they have, all the business-to-business deals, and focus on winning IndyCar championships like they continue to do. Now you just need to see some growth for the Indy 500 that, shockingly, the gold standard team has not been the gold standard. It's been Ganassi the last couple of years. And I feel like we enter a 2023 season where we are confident in saying every one of their drivers can compete for the championship. Last couple of years, we didn't think Scott McLaughlin could do it. First year was rookie year, obviously. We felt year two, man, he's got to perform well. He met expectations for year two, and now he's going to be in the them. thick. Yeah, and and now has put put thrust himself into championship contention in 2023. So entering the year, we're for the first time in, in a couple years saying, okay, Penske's got three bullets in the chamber that can compete for a championship. So that's the update with Penske. What about with Kyle Larson? He's emerged as a candidate for an Indy 500 ride. He has permission from Hendrick Motorsports to run the race if a deal can be completed. That from Jenna Fryer of the AP. Um, he's spoken with Rick Hendrick and Jeff Gordon about his desire. Um, Hendrick's only caveat that Larson not run the Indy 500 this season. So we'll see if that, that remains to be the case. Uh, if he does land a ride, though, he'd do the double, which is not a surprise. That's been talked about. Kurt Busch, last driver to do that, says he'd love to do it. Kyle Busch, obviously, we already know, has permission to run the Indy 500 as well. Jimmy Johnson wants to do the double next year. Look, if you get you know you're you're going to get one out of out of those three with Jimmy Johnson, right? I mean, I feel like it's a lock. He's running the Indy 500. Probably. Most likely. If you just get one of the other two. But for 2023? Yeah. Do you need him? I I think if you get one of those other two, whether it's Kyle Larson or Kyle Busch, that is something huge to sell. I will right now as we talk here in mid-October, and I know it's forever away, I will be surprised if either of the Kyles do the 500 in 2023 part I, of me i would agree actually i part, i fully agree part of me says it's logistically it's going to be difficult part of me says you know the inability the the lack of open seats to be honest well and it's got to be chevy teams most likely that's another part that makes it tricky i could see at some point and maybe this is the direction that mclaren goes in the near future having a special may car open for one-offs whether it's larson kyle bush whoever from people from formula one or old, old drivers from formula one whatever it would be kind of like a if track houses program would just be an open car and we'll put a program together for whoever wants to run the 500 interesting tweet from thomas Mezeral. I'm sure I butchered that team as drifts on Twitter uh, talking about Kyle Bush and he has to say this or sorry, sorry, Kyle Larson to clarify. He has this to say, how cool is it that our boy Larson is going to run the Indy 500 next year? Who's this guy? So he is a seven time USAC national midget uh, champion. Uh. Um, not reputable, in my opinion. I mean, he would have contact info. He would 
Yeah, but he would also be a guy that could potentially jump the gun on something, heard that it's a possibility, and then runs with it. True. I'm just saying he is a driver who would be in the know. Yeah, he's not a guy with, with 82 followers on Twitter that's throwing it out there. He's somewhat no. reputable, but correct. until I hear it from somebody that actually matters in terms of running the Indianapolis 500, I'm not going to be convinced. Yeah, that's that's fully fair. I... I don't know when you have a, another guy who's on the the, the dirt circuit, kind of true putting this out there. That's not nothing. It's not nothing, but I need more. <laughs> I I, <laughs> I understand you're skeptical. I need more, as I think I am as well with with all of this. So that's the update on on the things that we know. What about? Some of the uh, more fun things that we haven't gotten. Things to yet. we don't know. That's a much longer list, yes. folks. Things we don't know. So, got this uh, note from one of my brothers the other day, but, so they had the Indy 8-hour, you know, the, the other weekend, uh, sports car race, and rumor has it, Ganassi will have an IndyCar test coming up next week. This would be on October 18th with driver or drivers to be determined, plus there are apparently four days of hybrid testing left this year for IndyCar. So you have the Chris Griffiths Memorial test coming up, I believe next weekend. Um, that would be a factor in for the road to Indy, but it could maybe slot in around that. Would these be on the oval road course road course? Okay. I mean, you're running out of time here. It's mid October in Indiana. You have maybe a couple weeks of semi guaranteed, decent running weather. And then you're just playing with fire. Once you get into November, so that's the the rumor as far as testing goes. Again, this would be on the road course, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Ganassi with an IndyCar test early next week. And then four days of hybrid testing. That's for the 2024 engine for IndyCar as well. They haven't scrapped that yet. And there have been delays due to supply chain issues, but we haven't really heard anything recently on it. So we'll see how that plays out. It'd be nice to get some on-track testing for this thing. Oh, absolutely. Sooner rather than later. Absolutely. So that's the update on some rumors and things of that nature. As always, if you would like to interact with us, you can find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for the email list so you never miss an episode or any special announcements that we have. Plus, check out the store. We have stickers and t-shirts for sale even during the off-season. So check out the website there. On social media, our Twitter handle is IndyCarPodcast. On Facebook, like us, just search for New Track Record. Instagram, IndyCar Podcast is a handle as well. You can email us, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. And, as always, you can support us via Patreon, patreon.com slash NewTrackRecord. We have uh, supporter tiers available for you, thanks to Xavier, Rob, and others for their support each and every month. And, again, you can support us for just $1 a month. So very easy to sign up and support us on there. And you can follow us for free on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you find your podcasts all for free. Mailbag time, Justin. And not very busy this week. That's not a surprise. Plenty of comments on Dalton Kellett not returning to AJ Foyt Racing next year. So he posted Hmm. that update on Twitter. Uh, N.K. Harden saying, I'll remember his top 12 qualifying effort at Nashville that he only got because of a red in group one. 
I'll also recall how he managed to drop back to his routine back of the pack spot in just a couple of laps and eventually finished 25th. He never deserved to be an IndyCar. Stash mm. underscore stash said addition by subtraction. Uh, NK Harden also adds the back row of every single race just won't look the same. Jeff Cerneski, while he may not have the talent to be a winning IndyCar driver, he did help keep the Foyt team racing. Foyt fans should be happy about his time with the team. He's also great with the fans. Yeah, he was very good and engaging on social media. I just don't think he ever had the performance to compete consistently or at all in IndyCar, unfortunately. I wish you could take Dalton Kellett's personality and put it in some of the personalities of successful full-time drivers. Yeah, that is true. He's very engaging, informative, interesting on social media. Always promoting IndyCar, especially with his STEM background and getting into kind of the nuts and bolts and making it make sense for idiots like us. <laughs> it was it was great. And the point about him keeping the Foyt team on the grid, that is completely accurate. I guess we can't take that for granted. Do we see him in a race next year with the team? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess I'd be surprised. Seems like he's ready to kind of yeah. tackle something else. I, I don't see him in a, in a. I don't. I know he's. They're saying he's looking for other opportunities, but no, I. I don't see it. I don't think he did enough to get another opportunity. And then, uh, one other comment on all of that. I'd love to see him as an engineer somewhere with a regular role on screen. I think he could have a really good career going that way. A lot of people saying he'd be good for the broadcast as well and I don't disagree that'd be very interesting there with him but all in all look at 12th at Gateway his career best finish that came last year in that race he had opportunities yes and didn't maximize his opportunities and that was the big thing and you could blame the team you could blame Dalton Kellett you can blame both I think it's a little bit of both but I think Dalton Kellett got enough of a shot in IndyCar to show what he could do and he didn't show much and unfortunately it just didn't work out it happens this from Nick J Fletcher uh racer tweeted preview Trans Am Series West at Utah and he says coincidence I think not <laughs> it's happening <laughs> Some, well, we started the push. Some thoughts on filming for the docu-series that is quite, quite close, according to Mark Miles. I, I hope this is not a, a Talk and Terry Angstat thing where, you know, <laughs> he was always touting some race event that yep. was never even close to happening. Rob underscore McMahon says, this docu-series will get tens and tens of views. How about new cars instead? I know, I know. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I'm on board. I say if it's if it's Drive to Survive 2.0, it serves no purpose. This from Scuba Steve 85. If only they'd started one year sooner, they'd have the McLaren Polo Ganassi drama. See, that could uh, draw you in. Right? But I feel that the people that are excited about this are IndyCar fans, which are not your target audience, or it shouldn't be. You already have those people. Correct. You need other people. New people. Yes. Zach C8771, I wish I was interested, but this just sounds boring to me. If it brings new eyeballs to the series, I'm all for it, though. No, that's the, that's the key. If, if it sells, if it brings eyebrow, eyebrows, eyebrows and eyeballs <laughs> to the series that otherwise wouldn't give it a shot, it's worked. I just don't know with the little we've heard about the format or what it could be if that's even going to do anything. But I'll wait to reserve complete judgment 
once I see the product or hear the format. But I'm just worried that it's just going to try to copy drive to survive. Then these from Transocean Trojan. Doc Series is good. The question is, how do you differentiate it from F1? NASCAR is like the redneck Southern American vibe. What is IndyCar? It's not anywhere close to F1 in regards to technology. I guess the angle is to play up the wheel-to-wheel in danger of ovals, but even that gets you a sideways look these days because the safety of the sport is paramount. And if you even insinuate that crashes make the sport interesting, you get people upset. I honestly don't know how you make it interesting. Thoughts? I don't know. I feel like Drive to Survive dealt with the Grosjean stuff tastefully. I feel mm-hmm. there's always going always to be that contingent of people that find it offensive when you show crashes or anything in promos, whatever. There's a vocal minority that's always going to be that. But that's a fact of the sport. And unfortunately, that's what draws people sometimes. When does IndyCar ever get on ESPN when they have a major crash or what? The Indy 500? That's it? Yeah, that's about it. Or if, or if there's some like social media thing or drama, like, there, there's like, like James Hinchcliffe, you know, peeing during a red flag at Barber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll get on. That'll that, get on. That got on there. So look, unfortunately, that stuff sells, and it is a part of the sport. So I don't think you can shy away from it. But I don't feel like the race to race drama of IndyCar is there enough to sell. A lot of people tuning in. You're going to get the same people that tune in to practice on Peacock and the pe- people that tune into every race that are going to watch that. It's going to serve no purpose. And quite frankly, for, for me, Caleb, I don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot of free time. And I watch a lot of racing. And sometimes I have to pick and choose the racing I watch or or the sports I watch because I don't have time. That's not going to be my higher priority list. If you're handing me a drive to survive like indie car show, I don't know how much I'm going to watch. And I, I, I'm a big IndyCar car fan. So that's a problem unless it's significantly aimed at new fans. Yeah. And again, that'll make the current fans feel left out, but it's not about the current fans. Absolutely. To be clear. Totally. That wraps up the mailbag. As always, you can send us your tweets, Facebook messages, Instagram messages, snail mail, carrier pigeon, what have you. Hologram, telegram. We'll get to it on the following week's episode. Okay, news and notes time. Just a couple of things to get to here. First off, Mario Andretti is going to drive a McLaren, a modern McLaren F1 car at Laguna Seca this weekend. So this is pretty cool. Uh, expected to be a hybrid era car. 2014 or so. Uh, you got to remember that was Mario's final race in IndyCar was at Laguna Seca in 1994. Um, the deal is finally happening. So this is really, really, really cool. He'll get the opportunity to drive a modern F1 McLaren IndyCar. And look, some people out there may not like McLaren and, and the business practices they've they've brought to IndyCar and how they handle driver contracts and seeking drivers. But these are the opportunities that McLaren brings to the sport. And it's pretty cool that Mario Andretti is getting this opportunity to do this with McLaren out at Laguna Seca. And these are the things, these are the positive things that you can look at at McLaren if you're bothered by the other stuff and say, yeah, it's pretty cool. They're in the series and involved and it allows some of the legends of the sport to do stuff like this. 
couple of interesting quotes from Mario in the story from RodenTrack.com. First one, I've done some testing for Michael that a lot of people don't know about. And the IndyCars have got basically the same type of wheel where you operate the clutch and all that. So that's no big deal. So that's the first one. <laughs> the second one at the very end, he says, a lot of them, it's going out on a date with an old girlfriend talking about driving his <laughs> former Indy cars and F1 cars from the past. But Love this, Mario. it's like a date with a 25-year-old. I've never done that, but yeah, I'm willing to experience it with this car. And here's the thing. Mario Andretti can jump into a Formula One car and do this. He could also easily pick up a 25-year-old. That's how smooth <laughs> and awesome Mario Andretti is. He's charming. That dude's charming. He still looks good for his age. That smile. He has charisma. He could totally land a 25-year-old. And I don't think it would take him long. And I'm not just talking about drunk 25-year-old in the snake pit either. <laughs> Mario's just a cool dude that transcends generations, oh, transcends time. Just a smooth cat, man. A, a gift for IndyCar. Very lucky to have him. For sure. Still heavily involved in the sport. Speaking of McLaren, uh, Alex Pillow, Pato Award, continued their TPC, the testing of a previous car program, last week at the Red Bull Ring in Austria. And the key takeaway from the article from Chris Medlin of Racer.com, both drivers are expected to get further opportunities in the MCL 35M with McLaren this year, the IndyCar season over. Uh, they could also receive FP1 outings with McLaren, one of the remaining four rounds in Austin, Mexico, Brazil, and Abu Dhabi. You would think... Mexico. Mexico would be Pato Award. The Pato Award. Makes, Maybe even Austin, too. Makes, makes too much sense. Yeah, Austin, too. That's got to happen, right? I, I hope so. I, I think it would be a really cool experience. It would be great buzz for IndyCar as well to, to take part in that. You hope Pillow gets a couple. Maybe they split those. Maybe Colton Herta gets one, right? Because wouldn't he have the ability to do that as well? I have to think at least one of them for Austin gets one. Yeah. And maybe even Mexico. Let's hope. Yes, I, I'm hopeful they can continue to get some seat time and FP1s, right? That's super license points, correct? That's it. That's how you get some super license yeah. points because they said, didn't they, Colton Herta could get the amount of points he needed for next year if he did the rest of the FP1s, correct? Yes, but I mean, I mean that's they, not they happening, missed but, that, right. that time. But conceivably, he could have, which means you're getting super license points doing FP1s. I believe so. I'm no expert on super But I think it's contingent. Points. Is it contingent on not crashing or not bringing a yellow or is it you get it regardless? I think you get it if it's like a viable attempt, okay. which I don't think that'd be an issue. No, I don't think so either. Tony Kanaan, the legend. Congrats. He finished <laughs> Ironman triathlon. Did Dallas Clark finish? Hawaii. I don't know. <laughs> that is. He's still in the swimming part. Great question. But Kanaan, 12 hours, 39 minutes, 53 seconds. So the break the finish line. So what's it? What's it breaking down? It's, it's run, bike, swim, right? Yes. So the, well, nearly 13, but the, the makeup for a triathlon, 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bicycle ride and a marathon, 26 point, this says 26.22 miles, but But it's 26.2, but that's amazing. You run a marathon and then do a century ride over a century ride. Yeah. And before that, a 2.4 mile swim. So 2.4 mile swims first. Yeah. Swim. Bike ride, run. Oh, runs last? Yeah. <laughs> That's I wild. I cannot imagine. That's so, for, for example, to me. there's a, a 
major difference from Iron Man's and triathlons. So okay. Iron Man is essentially much harder yes. uh, compared to a triathlon. Yes. It's in the terms most of distance intense. Out. I think Kanan has participated. I don't know if he's finished before, but he's definitely participated in Iron Man before. But not sure how Dallas Clark did. That is an interesting question. Ooh, man, I knew those things were tough. I didn't realize they were that tough. Oh, yeah. In terms it's, of it's distance. A, you start it's early ridiculous. in the morning. Yeah. And you finish when it's dark out, basically. That's pretty I, normal. I would not be able to run a marathon. I could probably do 110 miles on the bike. I'd be stopping. If, if you ride bikes, they have sag stops like every 15 miles or so where you can fuel up and you eat and stuff. I would need those to get 110 miles. Uh, swimming, I, no, probably not. So I know I, a mile swim is like insanely long. Oh, so yeah. So I can't imagine... Well, what's a mile like 20 sometimes there and back on Olympic size swimming pool or something like that. I, I don't, I don't know. know, but if I had to pick, so let's, let's do it. If you had to pick the order in which you did them in terms of ability, I would go bike. I could do swimming would be second. There's no way I'm running a marathon. Yeah. The marathons I have no chance. No, the swimming, I think would be the one I could do the best at really. And then, then the bike, and then bike, then it, it depends though on the, the terrain with the bike sure. and the run too. Right. Oh, totally. That's the other part. Yes. Either way, we're never completing it in Ironman. We'd have to train for a year. No. And, and, and still, we still probably couldn't I do it. I still wouldn't do the marathon. I'd walk a marathon. Is that allowed? Um, I'd still I mean, be walking. Maybe that's what Dallas Clark's doing. Maybe he's still walking. <laughs> Other notes to get to on the week. So this was cool. Uh, the Hoonigans are doing a, a YouTube series where... Every Wednesday, and I think the first one is out, but they are taking an Indy 500 engine from Honda and putting it inside a Honda Ridgeline pickup truck. Really? So it's fascinating. I need to go and watch episode one. A fascinating experiment that they're doing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I wonder how that's going to go. And then the other thing, uh, great article from Variety on Rocket. They've been accused of bailing on sports promotional commitments totaling well over $100 million. The fact that their Foyt racing deal was just a footnote in the article tells you all you need to know. It was amazing when you started reading through that in the professional franchises. Basketball, soccer, just the amount of money that they have have committed and not paid to teams, franchises, leagues. It's pretty absurd. And it's, like you mentioned, totals now over $100 million. So, the Foyt racing deal is just the tip of the iceberg of what Rocket's done. Not to mention Formula One. And tweets of the week. We just have one tweet. Scott McLaughlin. I'm so bad at leaving my clean clothes in the laundry basket for like a week and using it like a suitcase. Just put them away, idiot. Hashtag off-season <laughs> thoughts. Yeah, it, I do the same thing. I fully admit. You just live out of your suitcase when you come home. Well, until, I'll do that until the clothes run out, but also I'll do laundry and then they'll just stay in the basket. Yeah, sure. And I'll just pick out like, oh, this load was white. So I have my socks and I just pick out a pair of socks each time. There is a process at our house and I usually handle the majority of the laundry and in the laundry room. Look, if clothes make it to the laundry room, that's step one. Right? <laughs> They're in the room. And then step two is actually getting them in the washer, washing them. Step three, then, is to get them into the dryer. And then step four is getting them out of the dryer into the basket. And you feel like you're done at that point, but you're not. In our house, the most troublesome issue, then, is getting those 
clean clothes that are in the basket away. And like I'm, you. I'm great at everything until the aspect of putting them putting away. Putting them away. You'll just and then take like them a out week of the- later, I'll be like, oh, I should clean this up. The, the other problem I have is like I either have like a chair or even put them on a couch. And they just uh-huh. sit there. Yeah. And it's just like the the chair or couch that's just for clothes that you throw off. <laughs> that's what we have in, in, in our room actually at home. And I have clothes like that, that I just, we have a hamper, but I use it kind of, I just throw them my clothes there, a shirt, a pair of shorts or sweatpants or whatever that I'm going to wear again. My wife, she wears stuff once and then she washes. I'm like, I'm not doing that. If it stinks, I'll wash it. If it doesn't stink, I'm going to keep wearing it. But it sits in our room and it just accumulates clothes. And then I get yelled at to put them away. But I've been told because we're about to have a baby that where that is in our room is where the crib is going. So I'm being Uh-oh. told I need to do something with those clothes. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to wear them tomorrow or I'm going to wear them later. They're not dirty yet. Why, why am I hanging them up? I now have to find I may actually have to put those clothes away. And that's where I pick my wardrobe from. I never go in the closet. I just go to that pile. Be very this 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 child is being a major inconvenience on my choice of wardrobe. Already being obnoxious. Good luck with that. <laughs> uh, you know, it'll be all right. One other note to get to. So in the mailbag this week from Racer.com, Marshall Pruitt saying that the Porsche 963 IMSA GTP deal with Jared Hildebrand and Foyt Racing. That went away a while ago. Uh, Pruitt says he has an interview with the new team um, waiting for them to formally announce uh, their their place as the last customer team for that in 2023. So that was rumored, you know, with Foyt right. sports cars, but not happening next year. Um, Probably expected. I think what we're seeing with, with Foyt is scaling back a little bit. We mentioned you know, probably that third car not happening. And so I think it's it's a good strategy for AJ Foy Racing is to kind of uh, pack it in and regroup. And, and I don't, I'm going to throw this out there. We don't have a story out there yet from Marsha Pruitt, but he is teasing about some potential considerable hirings <laughs> behind the scenes. I think it was in the mailbag or something. So don't worry, a story is coming here in the offseason about how Foyt Racing is making upgrades in the engineering department and elsewhere this or next season. It's it's the gift that gives every single year on why this year is going to be different. It's it's an off-season staple. <laughs> it is very much is. Seriously. It's something to look forward to. That's when you know you've truly made it into the the depths of the off-season. <laughs> That's when you're digging up anything you can possibly find to throw up on the website or throw the paper or whatever it is when you're delving into engineering notes with AJ Foyt Racing. All right, favorite segment of every week, Random Split Air Driver of the Week. All Take right, it away. We're going to the 2003 kart season. This was the final kart season. It was then the Champ Car World Series after that. And it was branded as officially the Bridgestone Presents the Champ Car World Series powered by Ford. This is the joke that I always tell you all the time <laughs> about the ridiculous long name. Amazing. And the winner, the Drivers' Championship of that year, Paul Tracy, uh, Manufacturers Cup. That was Ford Cosworth that won it. Rookie of the Year, Sebastian Bourdais. But we're going to talk about a guy that did every single race that year that I've never heard of from Fittipaldi Dingman Racing, Tiago Montero. I think I've actually heard of him. He was a dude that raced all 18 races that year. He's a Portuguese racer. Mostly did World Touring Cup, was really known for that, and actually competed in Formula One in 05 and 06 
in for Jordan Grand Prix, Midland, and Spiker MF1 teams. And That's why I've heard of them. Yeah, from which F1. was all basically the same team, wasn't it? It just continued. It kept changing names. I think so. And actually did 37. Was it Grands Prix? Is that how you say it? I believe actually so. finished on a podium in one. In well, one race. what race was it? I don't know. It just as podiums won. Because that may have been the infamous U.S. Grand Prix that he well, finished on the hey, podium. It counts. In fact, it 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 was. Was it? 2005. Yes, U.S. Grand Prix. Hey, a podium's a podium. But in that 2003 season with Fittipaldi Dingman racing, raced in a Ford engine, and I'm going through the results, had a couple top 10s, handful of top 10s, but overall finished 15th in points, and you know they did funky points in cart. He only had 25 points for the season, but did the entire season, let's see, a race high 6th in Mexico City, also had a 7th at the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg to kick off that season. The first GP of St. Petersburg. Was it? Yeah. The inaugural edition of the Grand Prix You gotta remember, so 2003, it was was starting, yeah. And then no race in 2004, and then return in 2005, I believe. Yeah. So, that's where we are. He's still around, Mr. Tiago Montero, and he's the only Portuguese driver to have scored a Formula One podium finish. The controversial United States Grand Prix it counts, and Portuguese will uh, Portugal will celebrate it for sure. And he married in 2008 Portuguese model Diana Pereira, so he's doing okay for himself, folks. And did a lot of touring champion over 300 start over over 250 starts in the World Touring Car Championship, but just that one season in cart, or as we like to call it for short. The Bridgestone presents the Champ Car World Series powered by Ford. That is this week's Random Split Era Driver of the Week, Mr. Tiago Montero. All right, and that wraps up this week's episode. We'll be back next week to talk about the latest news in IndyCar. Not even sure what day. We're going to have to kind of reschedule our recording, but it's we'll be back. a big week next week for Caleb Hatch. It is, very big. So we'll... Uh, we'll We'll work out at probably an earlier recording day. So just be on the lookout for an episode to drop earlier than Thursday evening next week. For Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. Thanks for joining us, as always, on New Track Record Podcast. A veteran charity is hosting a new track series to reduce veteran suicide. The format is track cross, like a time trial or time attack, but with just one car running at a time. Drivers compete individually and as teams. The event is at Summit Point Raceway on October 22nd. Registration is on motorsportreg.com. Search for Top Dog Track Cross. Podcasts by Federated Media.